Hey everybody, it's Dr. Robin again with Let's Be Real About Education, a podcast for leaders, teachers, parents, whoever wants to know anything about education. And today we're going to talk about why I love working during the summer. Hello again, this is Robin with another episode of Let's Be Real About Education. I'm coming to you today, it is June, and for most educators, we are either just now starting our summer break, if you want to call it a break, or we are getting ready to start our summer break. So we know this year has been very different because there actually wasn't a break that we needed to take because a lot of us have been on break due to the pandemic. So it's a little bit different for the year, but most educators have what we like to call a summer break. And there's a misconception, two misconceptions. One misconception is that summer breaks are easy. And the second misconception is that there's actually a break because for many of us, especially in the leadership positions, we don't have a break. We are 12 month employees, just like any other person. We work a regular 40 hour week, just like most people. And so the summer is not an exception. We are still working during the summertime. So I'm one of those employees. I actually work during the summertime. But even though I'm a little jealous and envious of my other educator friends that get this time off, I also love working during the summer. Of course, I take time for myself and I believe in self-care and all of that, but I love working in the summer. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I love to work in the summer. And mainly, I'm one of those people and I have to work on this. I like to jump straight to the point, but I'm going to lead you to why I really enjoy working during the summer. So we're going to start with, again, the misconception that if you work in the summertime, even though you're an educator and you do have to work, it's still pretty easy. Mm, that's debatable. There are some easier days and there are some things that keep you um, not as busy, but it's still a pretty busy time for most educators. I know for me, I don't have kids at the school or a staff at the school, so I do have some peace while I'm there. So that's kind of a good thing, but I do have lots of tasks and things that need to be done and different work that I do during the summer. And sometimes the summer is the only time that I can get these things done. So some people might in a leadership position or a 12 month educator position might see this as one of the hardest times, even though it may be a good time, it's maybe one of the hardest times of the year because this is when a lot of the behind the scenes stuff gets done. Um, some of the things that take place during the summer is hiring. So you're planning for your next year. You got to start hiring and finding teachers to be on your staff, depending on the, the rate of turnover that you had or have or the direction that you want to take your school in. You're going to have to start getting the right people in place. And in this new time for us, this new age, it is really difficult to find quality educators all the time, especially once you start getting later in the summer. Those really good educators will get snatched up really quickly. So you're sorting through a bunch of different people and resumes and applications looking for someone who's going to be a good fit for your school. And it's often 
very difficult. And we'll talk about why it's difficult on another podcast. I have my opinions on that. But right now we're just talking about why summer is sometimes the hardest time of the year to work, even though I think it's the best time of the year to work. But you're doing all of this hiring. You're finding the right people. And even though you're 12 months, most of the people that you work with are not. So if you want to ask them for their input or solicit advice, it's really difficult to get in touch with everybody during the summer because if they're a teacher, they do have a break. And so summertime is their time. And you want to be really respectful of that. So a lot of times when I am hiring, I like to include my staff because my staff will be working with these people closely. And it's very difficult to, well, you cannot require a teacher to be a part of that selection process, but you do want to make sure that they are included in that. So that's something that sometimes an obstacle is just with me when I hire, I don't want to be the end all say all be all. I want to have some um, advice or suggestions or input from other people. And oftentimes in the summer times, it's just really hard to get other people involved in that process because like I said, that is their break. Another thing that you're doing in the summertime is that's when you're getting all of your training, all of your professional development. You are working on you. Your teachers are working on themselves. It's really great because you can kind of think about the direction again in which you're going and maybe some of the mistakes you made in the past. And you can build on that at this time by getting the professional development and the training that maybe your staff needs. So I know, for example, my school is trying to focus on incorporating more technology into the way that we teach and also how our students will deliver their product, their outcomes, whatever they've learned. Well, most of my teachers do not have that background, so they're going to need some type of training, as will I. The summertime is perfect for that. That is when we find the different training and professional development that we need. Sometimes we do book studies so that we can stay abreast of the new trends and, and learning concerns of society today. So, you know, we're, we're still working. People that are, are in the school system are still working during the 12-month period. And it's not just people that are on contract like me. I know a lot of other educators are also using this time to grow and learn while they're on their quote-unquote break. The biggest thing for me that I'm doing, two big things. One of them is I'm making plans for the upcoming year. The other one is I'm reflecting on what happened the previous year. This is going to lead to me developing plans for the upcoming year. So a lot of this reflection time is looking at data, thinking about some things that I think went really well. Why do I think those things went really well? Like what were the elements that I could measure to say this was a, a good event or this was a good initiative or this was something good that took place at my school. So I'm reflecting on that. I'm reflecting on how the teachers performed. You know, most of my teachers were compliant or they were, they, they did really good lessons or they grew tremendously during the year. I'm reflecting on things like that or I'm reflecting on this didn't go really well. I expected to do more. I wasn't thinking a pandemic would come, something I can't change, but I do reflect on that. You know, what will I do if it happens again? All of these thoughts are going to lead to my plans for the upcoming year. 
because now I'm making plans that are informed by not only data, but just by the information that I have from the previous year. That is probably why the summertime is my favorite time for of the school year, because I'm really getting to set goals for my school and determine the, the direction in which we want to go. So it's just really, for me personally, a fun time. I don't like the hiring and stuff like that, but I do like all the potential that comes with looking forward to the upcoming year. And I can start seeing that and realizing that in the summertime. And that's the first time you get peace and quiet to actually hear your thoughts and act on them. So it's not like you're not reflecting all throughout the year because I would assume that the average educator is reflecting throughout the year. You are having times when you evaluate the systems that you have in place or different programs and initiatives and practices that you have in place. But you don't always have the time to reflect on these things, quietly meditate on them, because by the time you get into deep reflection with something during the school year, something else pops up. I guarantee you something else pops up. And so you can't devote your full attention to whatever it is you need to because there's always something going on during the school year. So again, that's why the summertime is my favorite time. So what am I doing? You probably wonder. This is this is my summer. I'm actually, our students got out of school maybe two, three weeks ago. So I'm actually in our summer break phase, even though I'm working, this is the time when, you know, the staff and the kids are not going to be at school. And even though we're going through the pandemic, I have the option to either right now work from home, which I've been doing most of the time, but also I can go into the office if I need to. When I really need to concentrate, I do go into my office at school because it kind of puts me in the zone. I'm back into that school zone. And I will put on my clothes and go up there, open my desktop, because, yes, I do have a desktop at work. You know, they gave me a laptop, but I'm still old fashioned. So I will open my desktop while I'm there and I will do some work on my desktop. And um, not not for any reason, then it just kind of reminds me of what I do during the school year. I do work on my laptop as well. But just being in that environment kind of puts me back in a zone of I'm really, really focused when I'm there and it's super quiet because at home I do still have a life going on. When I go up to that school and there's no one there but me, the bookkeeper, maybe a couple of custodians, I can work uninterrupted for hours and I get so much done. So I'll, I'll do that a few times a week while we're having the pandemic. During a normal school year, I will go up there pretty much every day. Um, but also some of the things that I do during the summertime, personally, personally, what I do is I will, if I can, I will work with my leadership team. And so there are one or two ways that this can happen. Some of you may work in situations where you can get the leadership team together and it's voluntary. They come up there because they want to move the work and they don't mind doing it on their personal or their own time. And so that's great you have a leadership team like that, kudos to you and your leadership team, because that is a wonderful thing to have for your school. Not knocking it this other way, but this is often um, more likely. A lot of times it's the case. So I sometimes have money that I can 
compensate my leadership team if they will come during their personal time. I can give them stipends or I build it into um, some type of project pay that they will get so that they realize that their time is valuable and they are being compensated for that. So I will get my leadership team to um, come to the school. Sometimes we'll not now during what the pandemic. So we will mostly do virtual meetings, but we'll keep up with the time and they'll get compensated their hourly rate for the time that they spend working with me during the summer. But this is again, this is our planning time. So this is when we get together and we decide what we need to do for the upcoming school year, what worked, what didn't work. It's really good to work with your leadership team because now you're getting a different perspective. Um, and also you're getting, it's something about when they're not on the clock and they're also not seeing kids, they've now had time to uh, reflect and they've had time to decompress from all of the daily stresses of working with the students. So now they can look at things with a different lens and with a different perspective and really contribute to the conversation even more deeply than they would during the school year. So I really love working with uh, my leadership team in the, in the summertime. They come to you, they're refreshed. So they're ready to participate versus you're having a meeting immediately after school or right before school and they're not really all the way present. They're kind of thinking about how their day went or how their day is going to go. So they're not always present. In the summertime, you just get some really valuable input from the people that you are dealing with in the summer. So I really like working with my leadership team. I'll be doing that this summer. I'm also going to work on building staff capacity. And I don't mean simply numbers, but also I'm looking at the strengths and the weaknesses of my teachers. I'm thinking about who I'm going to make a mentor who I'm going to make a teacher coach, who's a teacher leader in my building, because I need for them to maybe work with others who are not as strong and help them to become stronger. I'm also looking at teachers that have great potential. So you have all these teachers that you're working with. Many of them are not where you would like for them to be, but you could see where they could be. Summertime is a great time to start working on that. And this could be virtually, this could be just a plan, this could be actually with that staff member. Um, and the way that you would do that if you're not able to work directly with that staff member is just start making plans. When the school year starts, what is it going to look like for this particular individual? What type of training do you want them to get? What book study do you want them to work on? What area should they focus on during the school year? And you plan this before the school year even starts so that on day one, that person has in place a plan to become a stronger leader, a stronger teacher. And believe it or not, many teachers really appreciate this because teachers that are in it for the right reason, they want to continue to grow. They want to continue to get better and they want feedback. They want you to help them. They want guidance. And so when you are intentional in finding an area to support them in and you have a plan laid out for them, many times they will eagerly um, approach their plan and positively approach their plan. And you, in the meantime, you're building a stronger teacher. So I like to do that. Um, I also like to build my capacity as a leader. I always 
say that I'm an instructional leader, not just the leader of the building. I'm not just a manager. I'm an instructional leader. I want to be at the top of my game, too, so that I can build the capacity of my teachers, so that I can observe and understand areas that maybe they're lacking in or, or areas where they need support. I have to understand the trends and best practices in education before I can take that teacher to the next level. So many times I will. My district is awesome in that they do provide lots of professional development and training for us. And many times it's by other leaders in the district, other principals, other central office personnel. So we get really solid learning there. But I also seek professional development that's specific to what I think I need or what my supervisor maybe has said would help me to grow and be even stronger. So I use the summertime to really get all this information and bring it back so that I can be a stronger leader again for the upcoming school year. You know, this is when you, all the stuff you're learning, start planning on how you're going to implement it. So I love summertime for that because I just look at everything I wanted to do and didn't do everything. I didn't think I could do, but maybe I can. And I start finding ways that I can implement it. Just love the summer because it's just endless possibilities. Also, as a leader, you will need to review your data. So it, it really feels good to say, oh, we had a great year. Why do you know you had a great year? What made that year great? Oh, well, my kids learned so much. Well, what did they learn? How do you know they learned? That is when that data is coming into place. So you're going to pull different data. You're going to break that data down. You know, if you work in a district where you have a data specialist or someone that could support you with that, you may want to set up a meeting so that you can really understand what that data is saying. If you work in a district that doesn't necessarily have that support, everybody knows an individual who does that really well. I have a colleague. She's a principal at another school, but she just like sleeps, wakes up, and breathes data constantly. So if I'm not able to get in touch with the data specialist, which luckily my district does have those available, I can call her and say, girl, what does this mean? What do you think I need to work on? Why does my data look, you know, what is my data saying? So you, you really have a chance to not just give blanket statements like we had a great year, but now you have the evidence to support whether you really did or you did not have a great year. You can look at your teacher, teacher data which would be in the form of maybe their evaluations and their observations. You know, sometimes you think, oh, Miss Smith is just struggling. And then you go back and you look at the observations or the feedback that you gave her and you realize you never really indicated that to her. So it's kind of not fair to expect more of her when you didn't give her the information that she needed to know that more was, was expected from her. So you go back and you look at these observations. What are the trends in your observations? If you have an area on your evaluation sheet and it talks about questioning and you go through and you look at all of your different observations and you notice that everybody or a large majority of your school didn't score so well in that area. That's something that you're probably going to focus on in the upcoming year. Or if you notice that everybody at your school was knocking it out the box then you don't want to spend the next school year doing PDs on questioning. Find the area that they do need support in, and then you can provide support in that way. So it's just a lot that data can do. I think we take it for granted because education is a, 
a softer skill. It's the softer side of um, working. You know, it's the warm, fuzzy. It's the feeling part of it. And data is like hard numbers. So sometimes you don't want to look at those hard numbers and accept them for what they are. You know, we, we will sometimes say things like, don't worry about what the number says. Well, yeah, you should. Because the num- a number doesn't lie. A feeling can change. A number is pretty much that's what it was. And there may be reasons and different reasons behind why that number is what it is. But you have to address the fact that that number is what that number is. So data reviewing your data is really important to do during the summer. It, it guides you for the next year. And then you're going to really, for me, what I do, I focus on how I'm going to move my school to the next level. And any school that you work at, there is something that you can do better. I typically work at what they call turnaround schools or transitional schools. And these are schools that have um, recently or historically had low achievement scores. They're performing low on standardized tests. And therefore, they are labeled turnaround or transitional schools. They need some type of support. I love working at these schools too, by the way, because I'm one of those people I fight for the underdog. So I love working in this type of environment. And then when you see growth and you see movement, it's just such an uh, exhilarating, wonderful feeling. And um, I feel like I do it really well. So I like working at these types of schools. But even if you work at a really high performing school, there is an area that you need to improve upon. That area could be with your social skills. That area could be with the way you address diversity in your school. That area could be with uh, building teacher capacity or growth. A lot of times you'll get a high performing school. I tell people all this time, I tell people this all the time, is that sometimes when you get in a high performing school, it's difficult to produce growth because they've already hit a certain achievement level. The achievement level is acceptable. And so you're almost kind of just coasting through. But if you have students performing at a high level, odds are, chances are, those students can perform at an even higher level. So you want to push them even further. Um, again, look at your, your climate of your school. How are the students feeling? How are the students being treated? How are students relating to each other? A lot of times at these high performing schools, you may see that students have a high level of anxiety or high level of stress. That may be something where you say, you know what? We want our kids to be well balanced. We want our kids to be well adjusted and, and come to school and not have this high level of anxiety, even though they're performing well. So what can you plan for? What can you implement for the upcoming school year that will counter these actions and behaviors? You know, it's really simple when you're at a low performance school, because what are you going to address? Academics. You know that. Maybe behavior. You know that. But when you get to these different types of schools, sometimes it's a little more challenging. But I want you to understand that there is something that you can address and you really dig deep. Look at your data. I don't know if all the schools do survey data, but sometimes you can do surveys with your students or your community. They will tell you exactly what you need to address. I have a, we have a certain survey that our district uses and we assign students to take it. And then we assign parents and then um, teachers. 
I can go through there. And I remember one year I thought, you know, I turned some things around and made some changes. And of course, there's going to be pushback anytime you incorporate new things. But I was like, everybody's loving it. They're, they're just eating it up. Because my staff, luckily, is just really compliant. So they were doing what I was saying and not really grumbling to me. You put that survey out there, it's a whole other story. It was like I had to take a, had to go lay down when I got through through um, reading my results because the teachers were not really happy with what they saw. And I actually threw a wine and cheese staff meeting and the wine was w-h-i-n-e wine because they really needed an outlet to vent about some of the stuff that was going on and i wanted to be able to address it to say i respectfully heard what you said and i will absolutely take that into consideration and we'll make some changes and so the cheese was i wanted them to smile cheese at the end so we had a wine and cheese that totally turned our um trajectory around because people did start saying well maybe this is not so bad well maybe we can try this but it all came from that survey data so that's just why it's so so important to understand what you need to do to make the take the school to the next level hear your people look at your data all of this stuff can be again done in the summertime so finally i'm gonna kind of wrap us up what am i working on now i was kind of telling you a little bit about that Well, you may not know, you don't know unless you know me personally. I graduated with my doctorate not too long ago, which kind of left a void. If anybody, it's crazy because you can't wait to graduate. But then when you're done, it's like, okay, what do I do with this time? Like I should be researching something or pulling my hair out or stressing out. And I don't I don't have a reason to do that. So you have this free time and you're looking for things you should do. But. What I'm doing is planning my next steps. I'm enjoying my position right now. I know I feel like there's so much more I can contribute. And I know that there's so much more that I can contribute. So I'm working on building me as a as an instructional leader, as a professional. I'm working on me. I want to be a stronger professional. I want to be a more knowledgeable professional. So I'm working on that. I'm also exploring a lot of professional literature during the summer because as I continue to grow, while I'm reading this literature, these are things that I can incorporate in my school and possibly take my school to the next level, make my school a better school. So I'm doing a lot of reading of professional literature, but I'm also doing some writing of professional literature. So now I'm using my 20 plus years and all my credentials and expertise to actually share with other educators and hopefully make them stronger educators. And then the last thing I'm doing is I'm continuing to contribute to this podcast. So this is just another platform for me to get my information out there, share my expertise, learn, grow, and teach. So that is why, see all that good information I share? That is why I love being an educator in the summer. Just endless possibilities. And I can sum it up in three words. Reflect grow, plan. That's what I do in the summer. One more, recalibrate. Reflect, grow, plan, recalibrate. Get yourself together. That's what I do. So anyway, thanks for listening to me. I hope you learned something. I hope it meant something to you. 
And don't forget, let's be real about education. I enjoy sharing. Thanks for listening, guys. You all now know why I love working during the summer. Hope you tune in again and don't forget to subscribe. Everyone have a wonderful day.